Get ready to be inspired and empowered through God's Word as you now listen to the teaching of Rev. Sam Chiaka. And verse 1. My teaching this morning is going to be two-faced, or maybe three. We're going to look at things from the father's perspective. We're going to look at things from the child's perspective. In Proverbs chapter 10 verse 1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son maketh a glad father. But a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Are you seeing something? I'll take it again. Proverbs 10 1. A wise son maketh a glad father. But a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Proverbs 13 and verse 1. A wise son heareth his father's instructions, but the scorner heareth not rebuke. Proverbs 15 and 5. A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regarded reproof is prudent. Proverbs 15 and verse 20. He repeats what he said in Proverbs 10. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. Proverbs 17 and verse 6. Children's children, that is grandchildren, are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. The glory of children are their fathers. Verse 21. Same chapter. He that begetteth a fool does it to his sorrow. And the father of a fool has no joy. The father of a fool. Kai. Look at verse 25. Same Proverbs 17. A foolish son is grief to his father. And bitterness to her that bear him. Proverbs 19, 13. A foolish son is calamity to his father. And the contentions of a wife are continual dropping. Hmm. Look at verse 26. Proverbs 19. He that wasted his father and chased away his mother is a son that causes shame. And bring it reproach. Let me jump to chapter 23, verse 24. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice. And he that begetted a wise child shall have the joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad. And she that bear thee shall rejoice. So find yourself. Is your father happy? Is your mother happy? Are they happy for what you have become? Is your father happy? Is your mother happy? I know a man who continually robs his father and his mother. Makes money off of them. He used to do it when he was in school. Our school fees is 25000 He would say, our school fees is 86000 Whatever. He robs his father. Proverbs 28 verse 24. 
Whoso robbeth his father or his mother and saith, No big deal, is no transgression. Can you see that? The same is companion of a destroyer. One robbed his father. They sent him to go and get something. He got the thing at a very cheap rate and told the father something high. Somebody came to ask him, say, why did you do that? He answered the Yoruba, Mogenie, Mogenie. <laughs> he just said, it's my gain. That's how he saw it. No transgression. It's not a problem. Proverbs 30 and verse 11. There is a generation that corset their father and does not bless their mother. Say, that's not me. There is a generation that cursed their fathers. There is a generation that has no regard, no respect regarding their father. Before I move on, you know there are different types of fathers so that you get it in context. There is your biological father. Alright? That's the father by whom you exist in this world. Right? You came from him. You carry his physical features. You look like him. If you don't look like him, you have certain traits you inherited from him. That father is the father responsible for your physical frame and your very existence. That's one. There is a second kind of father. That is the father that raised you. Now, it may be this, the same first one. It may not be. I'm just telling you different kinds of father. This is the person who is responsible for your moral upbringing. The way you view life. Again, it might be your biological father. It may not be. That's the person who put values in you. Who told you this is right, this is wrong. Who disciplined you when necessary? That some people, that was not their biological father who raised them. Your ideas and ideologies of life was passed to you from that person. And then there is a spiritual father. A spiritual father is the person who is responsible for your faith and doctrinal persuasions. Is the person who started you out in ministry and gave you an opportunity to serve God in a different way. That is, in a way where you will be honored and recognized. That's your spiritual father. Of all the fathers, there is none you choose. You only discover them. You don't choose your father. You grow along the line and find out who your father is. Just like a child. As you grow, you get to a place where you begin to know this man as your daddy. When you begin to have a real sense in life, to view life correctly, you begin to understand that this person is... Um, responsible for a great percentage of who you have become morally, your behavior. In the same way spiritually, you get to a time in your spiritual journey, in your spiritual growth, where you begin to understand, recognize the person who has been responsible 
for majority of your persuasions in God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, your spiritual father did not necessarily, might not necessarily have led you to Christ. But if you heard my definitions clearly, the principles by which you live come from fathers. Therefore, the fatherly role and responsibility in the society is that which cannot be argued. It's too important. Too important. There is what is called the father's blessing. Look what it said in Proverbs that we just read. Proverbs 13 verse 11. It says, there is a generation that curses their father. Cursed, first of all, meaning they disregard their father. They don't recognize their father. There is a generation that have no value for their fathers. There is a generation who call themselves self-made. And nobody is self-made. They just don't recognize who their father is. I have no father. You are a liar. It's nobody who doesn't have a father. It's nobody who doesn't. But there's a generation who like to take credits of their achievements. You know, I wrote something on Facebook some last or two weeks ago. I said, we give too much credit to ourselves. We give too much credit to ourselves. Really, we don't even pay attention to where we came from, to who brought us up. We don't even realize the values that we have picked from our parents. Do you know you cannot, hear me, you cannot outgrow the fatherly role, the role your father played. You know, it's easy, for instance, for a pastor to reap the benefits in service of the Lord that a father has put in your life. You know, it's easy. It's easy for society to gain the benefit of what you have become. Many times we forget that that person came from somewhere. Somebody brought that person up. I wrote something, you know, one time. You know, we talk about great men of God. We talk about, I mean, people who have achieved so much in God. We, for, we fail to ask questions. Where did they come from? Easy to talk about Mary Slessor and talk about uh, um, um, uh, um, Jonathan Edwards. I'm going to come to that in a moment. And um, talk about uh, um, uh, um, Charles Finney and, you know, and so on and so forth. You don't know, talk about uh, Bishop Oedipo or talk about, I mean, sometimes you need to check where did they come from. There are certain things that was put in them that made them become what they now are. Nobody escapes the influence of a father. Nobody can. Father, the word father is the Greek pata, it means your source. That's where you came from. The generation that despise their fathers don't live long. The generation that dishonor the elderly don't live long. For they have no regard for the aged. They have no regard for fathers. Therefore, they cannot live long. Ephesians chapter 6. Paul speaks from verse 1. 
children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right now Paul got this from Moses okay what he's saying here he got it from Moses and that's what we see in verse 2 but Paul added something here so verse 1 and verse 2 are talking about two different fathers watch this number and different parents look at it verse, verse 1 children obey your parents in the Lord parents in the Lord and then he goes to verse 2 honor thy father and thy mother which is the first commandment with a promise so there is your parents in the Lord there is your natural parents he says this is the commandment uh, uh, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with thee so that means it can never be well with a person who dishonors his father and mother are, are you are you here it can never be well with such a person he said that's the first commandment that comes with a promise all the commandments see they, god was not obliged to promise them anything for giving them a commandment he's god so i mean he can tell you what to do and this is the first one he gives an incentive attached to it see there's value for doing this one so that's the first commandment of promise it says honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise I want you to observe first off. He didn't say honor your father and your mother when they do right. Did you observe? He doesn't say honor your father and your mother because they are always correct. Are they always correct? Let's tell ourselves the truth. Come on, they are not. He said honor thy father and thy mother. Why? Because they are your father and your mother. That's enough. A certain man went to church. They told him his mother is the witch that has tied his progress down. Guess what he did? He went back home. Mama, mama, they told me that you are my problem. Mama, you are leaving my house. Mama, mama, carry her back. Mama, mama, threw, mama, threw the mother out. Real life story. How can a person go to church, come back from church, and exhibit a character that is against church. Something is wrong here. Can you say something is wrong? What did the Bible say? Honor thy father or thy mother. Okay, what if he's a witch? Honor your father or your mother. Ah, honor which is your mother. But the Bible says, suffer not a witch to live. Not your mother. <laughs> Unless you don't want it to be well with you. In the Old Testament, they don't cast out demons because they couldn't cast out demons. Why? Because they didn't have the indwelling of the spirit. So they could not cast out demons. Because only the name of Jesus has authority over demons. He says in my name, they shall what? Cast out devils. And since they didn't have the name, they couldn't cast out demons. The best you could do is to kill the witch. Because once you are a witch, nobody could help you. So once you are a witch, you are dead. They kill you. But in the New Testament, Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority, power over... Huh? He says, I give you authority. Over serpents and scorpions, over all the works of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. He said, Go, all authority in heaven has been given unto me. Go ye therefore. He says, In my name you cast out devil's soul. So even if we meet a witch, we separate the witchcraft from the witch. You understand? We separate the person from the spirit responsible 
and we keep loving the person. Amen? He says, honor your father and your mother with the first commandment with the promise, that he may be well with you. And why? Look at the next promise, that you may what? Live long. Do you know that people thinking village people are after them, but no village person is after you. I've just been dishonoring your father and your mother. That's why it's not working for you. Is your father happy? Is your mother happy? Are they happy that you are their child? Are they happy? Have you for once gone to your mother and said, Mommy, I just want to thank you. No mouth can explain what you have to go through to bring me up to this level. Just want to say thank you. Father's Day like this. Do you, did you, did it occur to you to buy a gift for your father? And he knows I can't afford it. What can you afford? Oh, I can't afford anything. What about just saying thank you? What about a drink? What about, what about, what about, what about, what about? What are you doing? This is honor, 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 honor. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? What does it say? Honor! That it may be well with you. And that you will not die before your time. Do you know that God never put any age for everyone to die? He never put any, there's no scripture that says that God puts, when you get to, when you get to this age, you must die. No. There are things the Bible say, if you do, will elongate your life. And there are things the Bible say, if you do, it will shorten your life. That means the length, you know, there are many factors that determine how long a man stays. And a lot of them is in his hands. This is one. Do you want to live long? Do you want it to be well with you? How do you treat your father? How do you treat your mother? Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter how old you are. And listen, this applies not only to biological parents. It also applies to those who have played fatherly roles in your life if they are not your biological parents. If a man brought you up, if somebody raised you, if somebody sent you to school, if somebody trained you, if somebody had played, they may not be perfect. And see, you can come, you may have grown in a home of a man, you came out of that house, and all you can remember is all the times they were bad to you. And all you can think of is all the things that were not perfect in that home. If they, if they were not there, where would you have been? Why can't you appreciate the good and take your eyes away from their faults? Only a generation that will not prosper ignores to honor their fathers. Again, if somebody raised you, somebody trained you, if somebody, if you grew in a home of a person that is not your biological father, you still have responsibility to that person, no matter who you have, been, you have now become. You don't outgrow where you came out from. Did you hear what I said? You don't outgrow where you came out from. You don't outgrow where you were nurtured. You don't outgrow where you were raised. Do you understand there are people that are untouchable? You know what I mean by untouchable? No matter their errors, no matter their mistake, you can't touch them. <laughs> Otherwise, you bring, you, bring, you bring things on yourself. Why? Because of who they are to you. And what the role they played in your life. Praise the Lord. You can't be raised in the home of a man and then you say, this place is a cage. You know, I mean, this place is a cage. Ah, I suffered there. 
they may not have been the best. But would you have preferred to be homeless? And they thought the spiritual fathers. Paul said, but by the gospel I have begotten you. He says, if to others, I'm not an apostle, to you. In other words, Paul was writing to the Corinthians, if anybody can talk about me anyhow, not your mouth. You know what Yoruba says? They say, no Not you. There's some people that they are untouchable. That's what I mean. For who they have been in your life, only a fool stays in the crowd where they abuse his father. You're a fool to be there. And that is any father. Spiritual father, the father that raised you, or the father that birthed you. Only a fool stays where they curse his father. For you are now one of those who curse their fathers. Such generations don't prosper. Such people bring calamity on themselves. Not that they are perfect, but for who they are in your life. David honored his father, Jesse. If you read scriptures well, you will know that it didn't look like Jesse was a perfect father. When they were looking, when Samuel came to anoint king, he forgot David. David was in the backside of the desert. It took Samuel by the spirit to know that the person I'm looking for is not here. I said, oh, okay. Um, go and call him. Somebody said, I'm not sitting down until he gets here. What kind of a father forgets his child? But when David grew up, he kept being identified as the son of Jesse. Do you understand? David had another father, Saul. For David recognized that's the man that raised me in kingship. When I was a nobody, when I was at the backside taking care of goats and sheep, he's the one that sent for me and brought me to the palace and raised me in the palace. I wouldn't have known how to be a king. I wouldn't have had um, um, somebody train me in the king life. He would have been a flop if he remained there and became king there. You think when Samuel anointed him, he's just from, from training goats, you run to become king, he will, he will mess up the, he mess up everything. He was raised by Saul. Yet that same Saul later tried to kill him. When Saul died, David wept. David mourned. David didn't eat for days. In fact, the guy who came and said, I've killed him. Thinking he was going to make David happy. David said, fall on him. Your blood upon your head. Because you come to me to tell me that you've raised your hand against God's anointed. David went to look for any of his descendants biologically and honored them. David understood that part of your success is how you treat those who are your fathers. At any of these levels, your success is partly tied to how you treat your father. Spiritual father, the one that raised you or the one that birthed you. Your future is tied to your source. Did you hear what I said? Your future is tied to your source. Your father is your source. No matter how knowledgeable you become, how smart you become, how exposed you become, how primitive your father looks to you, your father is your father. You don't change fathers. You don't say, I'm tired of this one. I want to adopt a fresh father. You deceive yourself. Glory to God. If you have a father, you have not well honored. I'm asking you today, go and look for him. Do you want to do well? Do you want to go far? Do you want to live long? 
go and look for your father and honor him. Remember, I, I talked about three categories of father. Go and honor your father. Go back to your source. Oh, we have family issues. Oh, oh, everything has gone bad. Everything, I mean, if you, my father, my father, if you know who my father is, my father is a terrible person, blah, 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 blah. I understand, I understand. This is for your life. This is for your good. Learn from time to time to say thank you to your dad. Of course to your mom too, but you know today is Father's Day. You get the point. You must learn to actually let him know that you honor him. Somebody say, I'm shy to say, uh, <laughs> you are shy to your father. You say thank you. Then go and close your eyes and do it. You need to begin to see fathers as a spiritual entity. Your father, which at any category, is a spiritual entity. It's beyond his personal character. Is the city occupies in your life. Is the position he occupies in your life. That is a spiritual entity. If your father is still alive, as much as you can, honor him now more frequently, more frequently, more frequently. I am telling you, don't say I'm born again. I have the word. I have the word. I, I, I know who I am. I know who I am without your father. I'm going nowhere. I'm going nowhere. Praise the Lord. There was a generation where you are not really in some cultures where no matter if you are a man, you are not really the head of your homo. As far as your father is still alive. <laughs> your father is the patriarch of, all, of his home, including the home of his sons. And his son's sons, if he's alive. There were some cultures like that. You don't know? Who decided Isaac's wife? The father chose when it was time for him to marry. The boy didn't come to his father and say, you know, daddy, I've seen... No, no, no. <laughs> the man decided it's time for my wife to have a son. I'm sorry, my, my son to have a wife. Not the other way around. Not my wife to have a son. My son to have a wife. Sends his servant to go get his son a wife. Praise the Lord. So, God is our father. Amen. Our first honor and allegiance is to him. But then next, there are people who represent fathers, fatherhood in your life. Father's Day is not only biological. Start there though. Start there, do go to your biological father. And I'm going to talk about biological father even more today. Even though I've opened your eyes to the three. I want to talk more about biological fathers. Do you know it doesn't even matter if your father is not even born again? Do you know it doesn't even matter? I mean, he doesn't know Jesus. It doesn't even matter as far as his role to play in your life is concerned. Let's be wise. Let's be wise. There are times you shut up and let your father talk. A generation that corrects their father, try to make prove their father wrong. Hey, God, oh, God, oh, how did we get here? Just the same way it is for a physical. Yeah, how can you tell? Okay, I mean, <laughs> your father is giving instructions concerning, you know, maybe he gives a proverb, say, like what, you know, elderly people always say, say, what you cannot see standing on a tree 
He said, what I can see sitting down, you cannot see even if you climb the tree. Say, Papa, leave that in. Times have changed. It is no longer so. It is still so. It is still so. You don't buy experience in the markets. You hear what I'm telling you? You don't buy experience. Of course, that is not referring to physically climbing a tree and that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about insight. Of course, sometimes the younger one can be right. But even if you are right, you don't argue with your father. You shut up and listen. I can tell somebody that will not go far in life. I can tell by how he treats his father. I can tell. I can tell by how he honors him. I can tell. I mean, all three kinds of fathers. I can tell. This one won't go far. This one won't go far. Glory to God. All right. I've spoken to everybody else. Now let me talk to fathers. I read a story of um, Thomas. I think it's um, Thomas Edison. This is the story of the mother though, but I'm using it to pass it. A message. One day, Thomas Edison, as a boy, came back home and brought a letter. Said that um, the teacher said, you know, she should that the parents should read it. Sealed. The mother read it and began to cry. The boy said, "What does the letter say?" You know. The mother read the letter, and this is what she read. Your son is a genius. This school is too small for him. Take him away and teach him yourself. Well, this woman began to train, teach homeschool her son, Thomas Edison. Of course, you know the story. The man became a great scientist and, you know, created, discovered, you know, invented the incandescent, incandescent lights. And we are still enjoying the benefits of light till today. Years later, after the man had won several awards and became very great, he went back to the mother's house and while he was packing certain things, he found that letter that the teacher wrote. Actually, the letter said, your son is mentally retarded. We can no longer handle him. Take him away from the school. The mother read another thing to him because he didn't want to crush his soul. And so he knew that behind his greatness actually is his mother. Many times parents, we can be very careful, careless rather in the kind of words we say to our children. Your child comes to you and says, Mommy, I'm hungry. And you say, there is no food. You know what you are putting in the, in the head of the child? A scarcity mentality. You are creating another generation of poverty. Because you are busy. You know, children are not conscious of lack of scarcity. They don't know who is richer, who is poorer. You are the one that taught them that you people are poor. You are the one teaching them. You are the one teaching your own children that we don't have money. Gary has finished. When your child comes to you and say, ah, I want to eat more and the food has finished. Is there nothing else you could say? Why was it easy that food has finished came out of your mouth? Why was it so easy? Do you know why we do that? 
the burden, you know, the, the carrying the burden of not letting the child know the circumstance your family is going through is heavy on you. And you think you have to share it. What you don't know is that you are creating the same mentality in your child. And that thing will continue. Whereas you are supposed to keep, you're supposed to make up your mind that this poverty will die in your, in your, in your generation. Couldn't you have said, Oh, I didn't know it would not be enough. I will cook more later. Did you have to tell them? Did you have to say that? Did you have to say the child comes back from school? So, schools are learning today not to let children know that they have not paid their school fees. Schools are getting smarter. And I thank God for that. Knowledge is increasing. In our day, they will flog you for your parents not paying your school fees. <laughs> As if you are, the, you are the criminal that didn't pay. They will flog you like a criminal. You will go home crying. For not paying school fees. Now the children doesn't, don't even know. They go home. Maybe they don't come. And you say, eh, it's because you have not paid your school fees. That's why you are home. Did you have to tell? Does the child have to know? What are you doing to that child? What are you doing to that child? Some of you gossip. Church members. In the presence of your children. Have you seen Stan gossip? You and your husband. You are gossiping. Or you and your wife. As a father. About member of church. And your children are hearing. What are you creating? What are you putting in them? I'm trying to let you know how the words you speak to and around your children will follow them through life. Let me tell you this. The way you speak to your child become their subconscious mind. You didn't get that. Let me say it again. The way you talk to your child becomes their subconscious voice. They grow up the subconscious voice that they have when they, they will have when they become adults is the way you are talking to them now. You will either con um, sub you will, you will create you will create a failure by putting subconsciously failure in their minds. No matter how they struggle, they will never make it because you have put failure there. And that's how you talk to them. The words you say create the environment that they live in and that they will grow in. There is what is called, I'm talking to fathers now, there's what is called the blessing of a father. God has equipped every man with the divine ability to bless their children. You can bless your children. No, you don't have to be the most spiritual man. <laughs> it's good for you to be spiritual, amen? But you don't have to be the most spiritual man to be able to bless your children. Every father is, a, is divinely equipped with what it takes to make their children to win in life. You have it. Do you know that many people struggling today with low self-esteem, struggling with failure, struggling to win the love of everybody, do you know there are some ladies today who have, before she's 25, she has, she has, she has been in a number of relationships more than her age and she slept with all of them. She's looking for validation that her father did not give to her. 
She's trying to buy love by sleeping with men. Because her father never told her, I love you. Fathers usually think, eh, they know I love them. I pay their school fees. I buy them clothes. Did you say it? That's the one that makes the difference. Oh, I told them 14 years ago when we brought them out of the hospital. No, sir. You have to be telling them consistently. Some men are failures at their work, failures with their finance, failures in their marriage, failures in everything because their father never validated them. Their father never told them, I'm proud of you, son. Their father never told them, listen to me, you're going to be great. Their father never told them such things. And therefore, there is a void. There is an emptiness that they are always trying to meet, trying to cover. So they're always messing up. Always thinking low of themselves. Always making a mess of everything they get involved in. They get into a job, they cannot sustain it. They mess it up. They get into a marriage, they mess it up. They get into a relationship, they mess it up. Because they lack the fatherly validation. Dear fathers, understand that that validation that's speaking into your child. That telling your child, I love you. That telling your child, you are the best. That telling your child, you're going to be somebody great. That telling your child, you know, those words is what propels them to greatness. I don't care how poor you people are. I don't care the financial condition of your family. Can you propel your children to success? Can you propel them to greatness? Unless you have allowed poverty eating your mind and you are passing that same poverty mentality to your children. Can you tell them greatness? Maybe you don't, you don't have a car and, and another child who is their friend, somehow their father has a Rolls Royce and they drove inside it and the child is inside it. Can you tell your own child? You're going to buy hundreds of those. It's a small thing for you. You buy it up. Can you speak to your child that way? Or what you are telling your child is, you know, we are poor. This life is not balanced. Fingers are not equal. We know. Why would you want your child to be in the less one? The less equal one. Why don't you propel them? Do you understand that what you are telling them now is what gathers to become their subconscious mind? And that is what will determine whether they become successful or not. There's an advert, long advert for pig milk by Kanu Wanko. And one of the scenes there is the mother telling the son, my picking, I know say one day you go make us proud. Why won't he make the mother proud? That voice of the mother, that voice in his head that has been there will be hitting him to success. You don't even understand. That is the blessing of a father. Read your Bible. All righteous fathers blessed their children. The blessing is not just prayer. It is in telling them Go and read how Jacob blessed his children. It was not, oh God, please change his life. Oh God, oh please. Don't. Uh. He said, you, you are. That. Go and read how he blessed his, his, his sons. 
Read how Isaac blessed Jacob. I've sustained you with corn and wine. You shall prosper. You will do well. You speak to them like you are telling them this is reality. You will not be small. You will dominate your world. You will be great. You will be mighty in the earth. You put that in your, in your children, they become fearless. They go through life knowing that they, they are victors. They know that they will win. Their mother told them. Their father told them. Listen, they believe everything you say. You are the voice of God in the, in, in, the, in the heart of your children. What are you telling them? Some parents make this mistake. You let your emotions determine what you tell your child. You stupid child. You stupid boy. Is it not your mate that is... Eh? Is it not your mate that is doing this? Is it not your mate... Do you know what you're doing? You are making them feel... See, when you keep telling... Is it not your mate? 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 Some of your parents told you that. Is it not your mate? Is it not your mate? Is it not your mate? They grow up with a mentality that everybody is better than them. Everybody is better than them. You become an adult. And you have low self-esteem. Your low self-esteem came from your parents. If they told you, is this one not, are you not, is this one not, not your mate? Can't you see your neighbor? You compare your children to your neighbor and your comparison is to make your neighbor's child better and you think you are doing yourself good? Is so so and so not your mate? So, before uncle, eh, is he, is he, is he not the one doing this? Ah, that's terrible. Terrible mistakes parents are making. Let's repent. Let's stop all that nonsense. You are sowing seed of failure or seed of greatness in your children's life. Choose this day which one you will sow. God puts your children in your hands. You are not the owner of their life. You are a caretaker. Dear fathers, nobody can play the role that only you can play. Nobody can play that role. I don't tolerate anybody talking down on my children. I don't tolerate it. I have had to rebuke teachers. It is better eh? you have another form of discipline. But to use words and tell them, ah, we will have a problem. I'm not, I didn't come here to joke. Oh. I didn't come to joke. I came to raise the next generation of great men. Don't talk to them like that. Don't talk to them like that. And that's how all parents should be. You should protect the minds of your children. I want to read you something. There were two men that lived in the 1700s. One was Max Jukes. Another was Jonathan Edwards. Max Jukes was not a godly man. Didn't live by godly principles. Didn't have value for character, good character. Did not pay attention to the principles of goodness and godliness. He was a bad man. Jonathan Edwards, on the other hand, was a Puritan preacher. He was one of the respected preachers of his day. He went to school at Yale. He became the president of Princeton. He married his wife, Sarah. 
they were blessed with 11 children see that you have plenty of children does not mean the value should drop they have many children jonathan edwards will sit every evening conversing with his family with his children and playing with them there's something the lord corrected me about i'm trying to if i was preaching now and my child ran to me you know what i would use, i used to do before i say hey, hey, hey wait 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 I'm, I'm busy if that happened now i'll forget you i'll focus on my child i'm not talking to you again you will wait for me to finish i don't care the camera that is on me the lord had to rebuke me that that thing you're doing is wrong those are adults they can wait but when you when you when you, you, when you give your child the mentality that whatever you're doing is more important. See, there was a time when I was praying. My children couldn't come there because if they came there, the eye will look yourself. You will know that that is in a serious business. You walk away. God had to correct me that. If I was praying and my child came to me, okay, I, I would talk to the child. I discovered that God doesn't stop being God because I held on to speak to my child. And I would tell my child, I'm talking to God. So I will back to talk to God. Sometimes they join me. Sometimes they leave me and go away. But what it has done is that it shows that I love them in spite. And God is excited that I do that. God had to correct me in prayer because my prayer I thought was holy of holies. Children, don't come here. Don't even talk to me. No, not now. I could be praying and carrying on and carrying on. You come there. I will answer you and then we'll continue. Glory to God. It matters. Until you begin to see your children as the most important part of your life. Let me say this. David started, before I read this story, David failed as a father at the beginning. Later on, he learned. When he learned, in David's house, his son raped his daughter. Another of his son killed that his son. You know what kind of calamity in his house he had failed in his fatherly role. I've done a study on it. But years later, David learned. And when Solomon came, David was already advanced in age. You see the book of Proverbs that we just read? Solomon had a lot to say about my father taught me. A father and a son. Solomon turned out to be the wisest king because he was trained by his father and the richest also, the most successful. Another righteous man that failed in raising his children is Samuel. Samuel and Joseph are the only two people in the Old Testament that nothing wrong was written in their, no sin was written. I don't mean they didn't sin, no, but there's no record. Nothing was written that they did. Samuel and Joseph. Except in the case of Samuel, his children failed. Abraham, on the other hand, when God spoke to Abraham, says, said something about Abraham. Say, I know him. He will raise his children well. He will teach them my ways. So righteous man can fail in raising their children. Did you hear what I said? A, see, you can be a man of God and a failure in raising the next generation. In fact, there was a man who had a similar story. By the, by, um, um, by the name John G. Lake. Now, many men of God, but John G. Lake, a man who had so much, to, he worked so much in the power of God. John G. Lake not only worked in healing power, 
and healing the sick, amazing anointing. He, he, he was so much that he could heal, he healed even animals, horses. I mean, horses pierced by nail, remove the nail, lay hands on the horse, horse get well. <laughs> Think about that. Walked in so much power with God. First generation, he married two wives. First wife died. The children of the first, all of them were lost. They didn't want anything to do with ministry. They didn't want to serve the God of their daddy because their daddy had no time for them. They grew without the principles that make their father who he was. Thank God the man learned in his later years, his later children, just like David, he started teaching them. He had time for them, to love them, to show them, to care for them. And these ones carried on the ministry later on. Let's not make this mistake. Let me read you um, Jonathan Edwards. So Jonathan Edwards had time to discuss with his children. If you are too busy to have time for your children, <laughs> I don't know what is taking your time. Your job, in your old day, that job will, they will push you because they find someone younger, someone stronger, someone faster, someone more skilled, and replace you. You only have your children. So this is, I want to show you the legacy. An American, I want to read this for you. Please pay attention. An American educator, A.E. Winship, decided to trace the descendants of Jonathan Edwards almost 150 years after his death. His findings were remarkable, especially when compared to another man from the same time period known at, as Max Jukes. Jonathan Edwards' legacy includes one U.S. vice president, one dean of law, school 150 years his descendants one dean of medical school three u.s senators three governors three mayors three college presidents sorry 13 college presidents 13 30 judges 60 doctors 65 professors 75 military officers 80 public office holders 100 lawyers 100 clergymen 285 college graduates. How may this be explained? Edwards was a godly man, but he was also a hardworking, intelligent, and moral man. Winston states, much of the capacity and talent, intensity and character of more than 1,400 of Edwards' family was because of, it's part of also Mrs. Edwards. On the other hand, they compared Max Duke's legacy. Max Duke's legacy came to the people's attention, to people's attention when the family tree of 42 different men in New York prison system were traced back to him. He lived in New York at about the same period as Edwards. Duke's family originally was studied by, by, by soci, uh, sociologists. Duke's descendants, let me read you the descendants, seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 other convicts, 310 paupers, as in poor, poor paupers, beggars on the street, 440 who were physically wrecked by addiction to alcohol. Of the 1,200 descendants that were studied, 300 died prematurely. 
can you see descendants of two different men? Two different men traced over 150 years. See this one: doctors, lawyers, great men, senators, um, teachers, um, um, ministers, men of God, including vice presidents, men who are useful to the society, godly descendants. This other one. Well, let me read you again. Maybe you didn't hear me well. Seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 convicts, you know, convicted of other crimes, 310 paupers, 440 addicted to drugs, 300 died prematurely. In fact, the study in details even showed more terrible things in that lineage. Science sociologists have told us that the legacy every individual is living runs to four generations. The way you are raising your children, it will not only affect them, it will affect their great-grandchildren. Let's be more careful. Let's be more mindful. Fathers, your job is a spiritual one. Teach your children godly values. Bless them. Don't let anger push you to speak anyhow into their life. Bless them. Bless, the Bible says, and curse not. Speak well of them and to them. Never should you make anybody else look better in comparison to your own children. Never say things like, is that not your mate? Is that one not your mate? Is that one not your mate? Don't say such things to your children. Speak to them as kings. Treat them as queens. Hallelujah. If you come to my home, my children don't eat on the floor. We eat on the dining table. They eat there with me. Even the one that is small like this. <laughs> the table is like this. Sit down with you. They, are, they have learned it. I teach them how to eat like kings. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Give that mentality. As you pray over them. As you bless them. As you speak words into their life, your efforts shall not be in vain. The life of your children are in your hands. Mold it right. Now if you are here, perhaps you didn't have this opportunity to be raised by... You didn't have this opportunity and you are carrying how you are raised to your next generation. You have heard God's word. It's time to change. It's time to correct certain things. This message was brought to you by the Father's Family Mission International. For more information on our ministry schedule, how you can partner with us, or to download more edifying messages free of charge, visit www.thefathersfamily.org.ng. God, God bless, bless you. you.